bonkers. Hello, this is Dave Mercy. I am one of the owners of Pro Wrestling Chaos, and if you are listening to this, thank you for downloading what is the uh, pilot episode, the first episode in something we're going to be calling After the Chaos, where um, myself and maybe other people will just sit down with members of our roster, people that are involved in Pro Wrestling Chaos, and in this instance we're going to talk about what happened after our last show. Um, so that was held in Yate Leisure Centre on the 17th of November, which was all or nothing the Chaos Rumble. Um, after we'd packed down the show, because it was an awfully long day, uh, myself, uh, Jekyll and Gideon, um, or Rob and Nick, as you may also know them as, um, always have a really long day on show days. We've been started work probably about 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning, and we were going until 1 o'clock uh, the following morning, um, on the 18th, as it was when we finished. And I also had the pleasure of having Pariah Khan stay over that night. So... As we've acquired some new recording equipment off of uh, Jim, um, we thought it would be a good opportunity to take the uh, take the recording equipment that we're using for commentary and see if we could maybe put together a podcast with it. Um, not with any specific mindset. We're just really having a conversation, talking about the show, talking about our thoughts on wrestling. We also uh, get down to the, the the first time I actually met Pariah Khan, um, which was actually a lot probably earlier than people realise. Um, and we cover a range of stuff, some of our thoughts on NXT, some WWE stuff. Um, basically, if you're listening to this, you probably already know about Pro Wrestling Chaos. Uh, if you don't know about us, though, please check us out. We are on ProWrestlingChaos.com. We run shows monthly in and around Bristol. Uh, you can find out everything you want about us via our Facebook page, which, again, just search for Pro Wrestling Chaos, or check us out via at Chaos underscore Wrestling. And we've also got every single show on demand right now for $3.99 a month. Just simply search for Pro Wrestling Chaos forward slash on demand. I think that's probably enough from me. This, as I said, a pilot will probably make this a bit snazzier in the future. But now I'm going to hand over to a very tired Dave Mercy and Pariah Khan at 1.30 in the morning, just after our last show. Thanks. There you go. And we're live. So, welcome to a... Uh, idea that we came up with at one thirty in the morning as Pariah Khan stays around at Casa del Dave's to just just share ideas and talk about what we've been through today and maybe some other things. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a public health service podcast for everyone out there just to experience those wonderful, wonderful dulcet tones that I can give you like nobody else. I do like the fact that we're using that late night tone. I um, just want to say... Welcome to all you truckers out there who are driving late at night. Although for the, those of you that might be listening to this, possibly early in the morning or maybe through the day, that might be lost on you. Remember, send us your questions. Agony Aunt Dave is here <laughs> for all of your problems. So maybe we should stop using those tones now. So the whole idea behind this is that, so if you haven't figured out, I'm Dave Mercy. I am one of the owners of Pro Wrestling Chaos. And I am Pariah Khan, the previous owner of Pro Wrestling Chaos, yeah, just to imagine. We're all friends here today, so it's absolutely fine. It is now the 18th of November. It's uh, coming up to 2 o'clock in the morning, and we've just had what I feel was probably one of our, one of our most successful shows in uh, Yate Leisure Centre, uh, which was all or nothing, the Chaos Rumble. Um, what did you think of the show? I think unequivocally 
unequivocally, this was the best Chaos show I've seen. There's other shows that have great moments, there's other shows that have great events and have great energy throughout, especially in some of the places like we've done shows in Hannam. But tonight, in the venue that it was in, with the crowd and the people we had in that place, plus the talent, plus the acts, plus the trimmed story that was told overall, everything had purpose, it wasn't indie wrestling, wrestling for wrestling, every single match had storylines and character and build-up and promise, including the number of stories that were told through the Rumble as well, that I think this is the best show that we've done. Okay, but um, you could at least put the show over a little. You know, I, I feel that uh, we, we did pretty well, but you know, if that's the way you feel, so be it. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I'm just saying, Charlie Sterling, Eddie Ryan, and Eddie Lyon did not win the Rumble, and therefore no, I am still on a downer. No, but who did win the Rumble? Dick Riley. Dick Riley did win the Rumble, but that wasn't all, was it? What else happened? Well, as we all think, this amazing moment happens. Dick Riley finally reaches that crescendo in his career that he just keeps on smashing every ceiling that's been before. He wins the Rumble. He's got a guaranteed championship title match ahead of him. He's celebrating, and what does that dastardly big grizzly do? Come from behind, clobber him, attack him, put the boots to him and challenge him, lays down the strap in front of him to a fight then and there, challenging his manhood, challenging Dick Riley's manhood. What more does the man have? The man is walking manhood. He accepted the challenge. (laughs) He stepped up to the plate, and he conquered. He overcame the big grizzly bear. One, two, three, new Chaos Champion. You almost make this sound Shakespearean, the way that you come across with this. You make this sound much better than, than, than I think we intended. But, you know, yeah, sure, I'll go with that. I'll bring a little bit of class to Chaos. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, um, that's the thing. Like, with wrestling, what has always won me over, even if I didn't realise it, and I was like, I really like matches. It's been story, it's narrative, yeah. it's character. And even, I think I've noticed a weird shift from when I was watching wrestling just as a fan and obviously watching wrestling after being involved in it and it's hyper uh, it's heightened or made far more acute how important just personality and people are and how much you're rooting for this person in the context of the wrestling show but just like in life Mm. so much so especially the good guys and the baby faces that that's the thing that has always appealed to me and I think if you take a look at the whole end-to-end journey, and not that this is an end, but in terms of somebody like Dick Riley has been on a huge journey just just with what we've tried to to do with him at Chaos. Um, And I honestly think he's one of the most underrated guys in the UK. I mean, it's almost that catch-22 where I'm really happy that we've got him because (laughs) I think like if he was... Um, rec- if other people realised how good he was, we probably wouldn't be able to have as, as easy access to him as we do, because um, he'd probably be uh, working for um, guys like the WWE, which um, he fully deserves, and it's that catch-22 of you want him to be there. We want um, the absolute best yeah. for him, but we also don't want to lose him. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that difficult thing, I guess. It's kind of like where you... Uh, you're a parent. You don't want your, you don't want your kids to leave the house, but you know it's potentially the best thing for him. But um, uh, he has absolutely amazed me this last year or so because I saw him with the Magnums. I saw him do that, and I thought that's what he does. Yeah. And then you guys took the chance and saying, no, this is a very talented, very uh, 
charismatic, full of potential single star. And not only did you give him the chance to do it, but he took it and has made it something incredibly special. And, and you know, I'm, I'll be quite happy to hold my hands up to say that I personally didn't see that originally. Um, it was actually Nick's idea um, to say, look, there's, there's, there's potential with him. And to be fair, he's more than fulfilled that potential. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to, to disagree with that. I mean, um, let's just give ourselves chaos, well, not ourselves, yourselves, that chaos a pat on the back for taking those chances <laughs> yeah. maybe where other people don't. And it pays off for you wonderfully. And it pays off for the entire, the entire wrestling industry in Britain. Yeah, I mean, I, I know we've discussed this already. So I, I'm aware that we're not seen as a top, top company or anything along those lines. But hopefully if somebody just looks at that and looks at what Dick does, somebody else will take a chance on him. And that's kind of all we really want. We want the best for everyone that we've got on our roster because to be you know to from a business sense if if um somebody like a dick riley is working for for other bigger pro companies than us or perceived bigger companies than us um that increases his worth to us from a business standpoint because it means people may travel to see him work for us if they see him work for a progress or an icw or a, or a fight club or, or or anyone like that as an example um that's not me saying that there is any potential of that. I have no idea. I don't. I don't manage um, Dick Riley's uh, diary. But um, and on the flip side of that, I'd say the energy that was in the room tonight for this chaos show would have absolutely benefited from the fact that NXT UK has been running the last three weeks. Mm -hmm. I think that has so much energy and potential. I mean, it adds on to someone like Wild Boar, who we already knew was great. You already knew was great. Yeah. You saw that in him, and he's done great things. But now he's got that extra shine to him as well, integrated into this perfectly oddly fitting last minute piece of jigsaw puzzles that is this company. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess it's that thing where we, we love doing massive big story arcs, but we don't sometimes know what we're doing week to week. <laughs> um, that's why Sounds our... like this other company I know. <laughs> it's... Um... It's actually the name of our uh, Facebook um, message group that we use for uh, for booking things week to week. is um, It's called Project Russo, and we've we've done that on purpose, uh, <laughs> partly because uh, you know first first of all, if, you, if you're a wrestling fan in the nineties, you're gonna you're gonna love um, you're gonna you're gonna love the Attitude Era, and and Russo was was obviously a big part of that. Um, but we've also know that it's kind of like me and Nick that are running. Um, the crazy train of ideas and Rob normally acting as the Vince McMahon sort of sensible filter and that's kind of why it works um, in yes. terms of the, the Vince Russo worked with a filter it, yeah yeah and that's nothing against Vince Russo and, and I doubt he's ever going to listen to this but um, <laughs> so I can probably say all this without worrying but yeah I think Vince Russo without a filter is is a different kettle of fish than, than Vince Russo with a filter um, so yeah I think you know as a, as a, as, a, as an overall show and something that in some respects, some things we've been planning for a very long time. There's there's certain aspect, and I don't want to go into the absolute like low level detail of what we do in terms of planning stuff out, um, in terms of what we think will work or what we think won't work on shows. But there's elements of tonight that we were planning um, over a year ago, and it's gratifying to see that when you you hear the reactions for individuals that you know have earned those. But in terms of we we put time into that story to make people earn it. Or, or earn the reaction for it. Um, so yeah, uh, and that's that's not me trying to pat myself on the back. That is more me having um, 
confidence in our audience in terms of they're on board with what it is that we do in terms of they understand that we work on crescendos and all or nothing is like our wrestlemania is the biggest show of the year that we do and we tried to use that show to give the biggest payoffs we can and we did that with several different things tonight so obviously um elephant in the room being that one of those payoffs would have would have been um me me doing things in the ring which is not something that um i don't think a lot of people were particularly happy with in my household but um I mean, who uh, says promoters are just in it for themselves, really? Yeah. yeah. Um, no, I think the, again, what you say, though, uh, removing that it's in jest, the story that's, that were eventually told through that match lead back several years ago. Yeah. From the fact of before your retirement, mm. your retirement, after that, and the fact that your character was returning to side with the most hated person in the company at the time, who is now the most beloved, the incredibly talented Flash Morgan Webster. Yeah. And tying that into the entire program that they were having separate from that with the Brotherhood and all of those talented guys is that's a legitimate two plus year payoff if you're really invested in everything, which you've proven that to any audience is coming to the show take a chance on this first show, but you will be rewarded. I think it's similar to the success of like NGP, like New Japan. That is, that is, um, that's a stretch, but sure, I'll take In a sense it is. I mean, you've also got the fact that you do book shows every single month. It's not sporadic. It's not seeing what's going on and it's not a self-contained show every time you go. There's always things that are leaking over and leaking through to the next. But that's also because that's by design. That's, I mean, I, I would say that's what wrestling should be. Yeah, and I think um, like Quackenbush said about he compares wrestling with, with um, flavours of ice cream in terms of our, that's what our flavour of ice cream is. That's the way that we like to tell our version of wrestling. Um, and there's no right or wrong way. There's... Um, different fans will like different things. I'm sure there's people out there that don't necessarily like to get invested in a, a what could be a six, 12-month story arc to try to see a payoff or something. Some people would like to rock up to a show, see some very, very good one-off matches and, and leave and be thoroughly entertained. And that's that's totally fine. Um, yeah, we'll, like we'll, we'll, we'll still give you good matches, but you're probably going to need to hang around. <laughs> <laughs> to really understand why they're happening, I guess, is, is, is kind of our mantra. Yeah, it was interesting. So before the show, I always do something if I can just to mess with people or do oh, some I stuff know. in character. I know, you're a pain in the ass. It's absolutely amazing because <laughs> well, yeah, sure. I can't just you know be on the merch table doing nothing. It's not as fun. It's not as exciting for me. But as I'm going through and I'm trying to ask if people want to sign up to the Rumble because we want to get numbers in. You, you, it, it was it was already full at this point, you know? Yeah, of course, but they don't know that. Kayfabe, bro. <laughs> and the amount of people I was just going up to and saying, we need someone to fill the rumble. And so many people were just like, what's a rumble? Like, that's Pe how new they, they were new to wrestling that much, but they still came through whatever means, which is exciting. You know, it's um it's interesting, actually. The amount of times that we will hear that people bring... Other fans, or that not sorry, fans, but fans will bring people that they you know don't like wrestling or don't even appreciate what wrestling is. And the um, I think our biggest um, 
our biggest marketing for us has always been local word of mouth that's really what's grown it in terms of I know a lot of people that don't even necessarily like wrestling but they like us because mm-hmm. that's what our sh- sort of show is which which is great um I'm not even sure where I'm going on this on this tangent. No, um, there's been a few moments like that when I've spoken to fans, and they may have like watched wrestling many, many years ago. That for a lot of them, this is the first introduction to wrestling as well, mm. or it's the only form of wrestling that they consume. And I think that's very interesting. Which I don't know if that's really something other companies have or care about in a sense. And, and you know, if I'm it's honest, you know, it's, it's it's one of these difficult things. If I'm totally honest, in terms of a promoter or promoter, I need to uh, get rid of my Bristolian when I'm doing <laughs> this. Um, I don't spend nearly as much time looking at other people's products or going to other people's shows. I, I, there's a certain group of promoters that I'll talk to on a regular basis, um, normally to do deals with um, talents that you're bringing over, or it could be a number of different things. But in terms of actual shows that I go to, I don't really go to as many as I'd like. Um, it's really difficult for me in terms of... Um, I've got a fairly high-end... Not high-end, sorry, but... Um, uh, a, a job that, that takes up a lot of my time outside of this. Um, I try to work in shows when I'm, when I'm out. So, you know, I checked out... Ironically, I was in London. So even though Attack Run shows in Bristol, I could never go to those. But when it was in London, I had nothing else to do. I went and went, went to a show there and watched it. Um, which is great, but I already know the guys at Attack, so it's not a unique experience to me. I know they put on a great show. Um, there's probably loads of really good companies out there, some of which I can check out online, but being live at a show is always a completely different kettle of fish, but I don't go to any other events nearly as much as I would like to. There's uh, definitely advantages to that because you've cracked the system on your own in a sense. You've tried to see what's going out, testing it out, and it's worked for you, rather than a lot of companies which would just look at what's going on in progress in ICW and just try to do that, or just book something like that, or try to do what they're doing without really knowing what it is that they're doing. I guess one of the things about that successful. I guess it's one of those things that when we started, progress wasn't a thing. Well, it was a thing. It was. But because it was you started, what, 14? Uh, like 2013. 13. 13. So okay. I think progress started the year before us, but it was a, it was just a, another promotion in London, in terms of in, that's the way that I viewed it at that point. Um, I saw they were getting some buzz, but it wasn't. I don't think anybody could have thought that they were going to turn into what they did turn into. Um, and you know, fair play to them. That's one of the promoters I talk to a lot. I talk to uh, to to John specifically a fair bit. Um, and more power to them. I, if anything, promotions like ourselves should be thankful for, for guys like Progress because they've got more eyes on British wrestling. And I think regardless, and going back to my flavour of ice cream thing, even if, um, say for example, we, we're, we're probably never going to have a death match in Pro Wrestling Chaos. That's not what we do. But there are companies out there that do death matches and do them well in terms of it is a different flavour of ice cream, but it's another way that people can get involved and watch British wrestling. The more people that watch British wrestling, the more potential customers there are for a company like us to hopefully expand with. So it doesn't matter to me in terms of what kind of companies are out there, as long as they're doing things the right way and actually running them in a um, responsible way. In terms of they're not they're not trying to do anything which is going to disenfranchise the fan base. That to me is good wrestling. As long as you're out there and you're not cancelling shows, you're not. Um, stiffen over fans in terms of money you're not you're not losing customers because if you are running a show which 
isn't being run professionally or something that's going to turn away fans, that hurts wrestling overall. As long as you're running it and you've got smirk on your face for some reason. Ladies and gentlemen, can you tell he's a promoter? Can you tell that he's very talented at risk aversion? Absolutely. I'm not going to name anybody on this podcast. I'm not looking for that. But I guess what I'm just trying to say is it doesn't matter to me if you're setting people on fire as long as it's being done in a good way for the actual show. As long as that audience want to see it. Yeah, that's fine. You're not going to see it at our show. But the worst thing you can do is put on shows which people either a don't enjoy for the experience they're looking for or or feel that wrestling isn't for them as a result because that has a negative effect overall on wrestling the more people that, that approach it in terms of right this is what we're doing this is what we need for our audience and this is how we're going to do it and we're going to make sure that they're fully immersed that's fine that's 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 good wrestling as far as i'm concerned so as i hear that and it's one of those conversations that's been spoken about for so many years it's on every shoot interview with anyone that you heard before in terms of oh, you, Company X, have to do this, this, and this, or you have to make sure you do these things, otherwise your opinion of those people that step into that place will besmirch their opinion of wrestling forever and worldwide. And if Wrestler A does this and exposes this, it's going to ruin the experience for wrestling forever. And I do, I completely understand the reason for wanting to protect wrestling and make sure it doesn't come across incorrectly and that it comes across with the amazing art form and athletic art form that it is but I do feel those other conversations are a bit OTT oh, no, and they can because at the end of the day you're talking about half naked people in baby oil um, <laughs> rolling around and it I, I, I've um, as part of tonight we've been working on a documentary um, for a, uh, a student project um uh, for a media design course at UWE and I sat down with him for two hours last weekend and I got into the whole art form debate about wrestling and um, in terms of the, 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 the F word, in terms of fake and um, without going into loads of details in terms of the right or the wrong way to do it or, or whatever it is you do with your art form in terms of wrestling if it ends, and this is to bring it all back so if it ends with a result where you can look out into a crowd a uh, uh, local indie show and you can see 500 people on their feet clapping and losing their minds about the fact they've just seen Dick Riley win the King of Chaos Championship which was never on the plate when they first showed up that night as an option and you can make people lose themselves to that moment who cares how you did it mm-hmm. I agree That and there aren't any boundaries with what we do with wrestling you can do anything you want to. It's so long as it makes sense. So exactly. long as it works. It may sound absolutely mad on paper or said out loud before you go out there and do something. But I made an entire room go crazy about a genetically made lion. Yeah, yeah. Well, that that is that's gene splicing for you. That is. Yeah. But again, that's because it goes back to having confidence in the audience of Pro Wrestling Chaos because I recognise that they will um, check their brains at the gate and always say, if you're going to watch an action film, you know those people are probably not dying or not part of the explosions or anything like that. But you are willing to lose yourself to that story. Same thing we do. Um, It's... It's not quite the same as the uh, the old Vince McMahon thing from Beyond the Mat saying, ah, we make movies, pal. But I'm in the entertainment business, yeah. Ted. But we never think of it like that. We always work on 
what's going to get a good reaction and how do we get the most out of that how do we wring every last drop out of that reaction and nights like tonight or last night or whatever time it is now um is is the payoff for it which is great and i'm aware that we're talking a lot about ourselves um which well no but in terms of i don't want this to become a you know a complete backslapping exercise so I guess the other thing I like to do with this, because we haven't really come up with a format for this, this is just purely a case of the fact that I've acquired some recording equipment that we use for commentary tonight, and we just thought we'd play about with it and sort of have a chat. So, um, We'll just chop it up into easily digestible sections like Chael Sonnen does. That, see, that's your podcast game is a lot better than mine, you see. <laughs> is, is that what he does, is it? He... Chael Sonnen has this amazing YouTube clip series now that he's got I guess they must be extracts from his overall podcast or something he essentially seems to record them whenever wherever in a hotel room a lot when he's driving a lot worryingly that's that's that doesn't sound like a good idea sorry if you can hear noise in the background whilst I'm also doing this I'm also trying in a not quietest sense um there's one of the things I also have to do now is, is edit the shows and uh I'm downloading all of the SD card data onto my laptop so I can start recording, uh, start editing the show tomorrow. So apologies, sir. Please continue. Tell me about t- uh, channels, channels. Yeah. Over to guy. some interesting content oh, and God. not some physical, just verbal description of downloading files. No, Jesus, it's just, it's just, this is just an apology. Jeez. Just an apology. Ah, a lot of apologies needed from you. Anyway, so that's what so, he yeah, does. So, he does that, and okay. there's some. It's almost like he's an Uber driver going from like place to place, and he's just filming these extracts and his breakdowns of MMA fights and stuff, or just MMA culture. But some of the stuff he's done actually, I think he did like a, a thirty to forty minute video on like the fight business and the whole idea of like selling yourself as a fighter, and understanding the storyline aspect, the emotion aspect, the drama aspect. That mm-hmm. I think definitely is one of the main reasons I love UFC so much now. Mm-hmm. As as essentially... Well, they, they do wrestling better than wrestling at the minute. Absolutely, 100%. Jim Cornette was saying that even like five years ago, and it still seems to be holding true for a large part. Um, at the same time, you've still got amazing storytelling through NXT and other platforms too. But when you've saturated your own market with so much content, it becomes far more difficult for us to care about anything because it's one little fragment of a much larger picture of constant moving parts in a controlled way which consciously an audience will pick up on and therefore fall out with. This has got incredibly deep. I just thought he chopped it down so he could make more money on YouTube ads. but Well, also that. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is yeah. the one video he did that was much longer, but that's got a lot, so much content in there that I think there's so much I think that you can definitely learn from UFC, even if you're not into like the physical fight side of it, because you are more of an artist in a sense, a creative person. You talk about me or the royal we or the royal <laughs> me. The royal, well, people who are involved in wrestling, in that creative aspect, I think there's so much that they can learn from the actual fight game that I think slowly there's something screaming like Shayna Baszler to me is absolutely fantastic I have loved to be fair watching some of her stuff so she's she's it's incredible what she's been able to do with um, in terms of she's one of the best true heels that are actually there at the minute because it's one of those things where like she you I'd really question your moral compass if, if you liked some of the stuff that she did 
mm. and that's what makes a, a, a good heel in my view um, and plus she's got that legitimacy to her in terms of all of the offence like I um, I remember, uh, think the thing that really really switched me on about her um, was I think it was the psychology of one of the matches and I can't remember who she was facing at the time but I think it was um, might be when she beat Ember Moon um, for the championship and, and her arm had been worked on the whole match so she ended up um, she was trying to put on a, a, a chokehold but couldn't use her other arm so she grabbed her own hair or something to she to had actually, extra yeah, leverage yeah, through yeah, something else yeah and and that next level of like that makes perfect sense for for, for that but if, if if your arm's hanging off how are you going to be able to do that and, and that to me sort of, that made me sit up and actually pay more attention to it and that's but that goes down to how you stand out in wrestling generally in terms of you stand out by being different and doing different things, not the thing that you see all the time. Um, it's one of the things I often talk about when I go to Dragon Pro and talk to them about the um, the ways that they can get booked by the companies. And, and I always say the, be- the best way you can get booked is to, to offer a promotion something they, they don't already have. An example of that is someone like Bino. That's the example I always give because... Uh, Dragon Pro can produce 10, 20 amazing wrestling talents each year, m- most of which maybe some of the guys um, the general um, uh, in UK may- wrestling may not be aware of straight away because they need that platform to help them um, to get there. But the way that you get on that platform is to stand out. So Bino was one of those guys who was great at wrestling but understood, right, I need a gimmick. I need something that's going to make me stand out from the rest of these other talented guys that I work with. And Bino, for for my money, is, and you know, I've I've told him this already. I I genuinely think he he could be signed by a major company within the next couple of years. Um, I genuinely think he's that talented. And every time we at Chaos have tried to um, give him a challenge, he stepped up to the plate every single time. Um, some of the stuff he's done with Mark Haskins this year has been phenomenal. But the only reason he's been given those opportunities is because firstly he stood out as somebody that I thought oh, okay I kind of like these videos I get the character this is what I like and also we as as bookers we're, we're, we're a bunch of guys in our, in our late 30s we don't know what cool is we know we don't know what cool is but we can see with somebody like Bino that's coming up with um, maybe it's a very tongue-in-cheek kind of approaching character but something that we recognize in terms of that's what I'm not trying to say that's relevant to kids and whatever he's doing. It is a it was initially meant to be like a, a sort of chavy chavy character gimmick, but nothing else that we had. Something that made us laugh initially because it was kind of a comedy character, but he can back it up in the ring, and that's what he, that's what he's done. Um, and he's done that by being different. Same with Shayna Baszler. She she made she um, stood out to me because she started to do something different in the ring. You can with wrestling, you can play the same calls all the same time in in different ways, but. The way that music can stand out sometimes is by doing something completely different. Um, I don't really have any good examples because I've been drinking and it is late. But um, I know that's a bit of a tangent in terms of what... Th- there's definitely something specific, though, with the talent that you see from Shayna Baszler, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, in that given that these are all legitimate fighters, their understanding of selling is so incredibly important to the work that they do and the entire industry that is professional wrestling that's exactly what it's about it's about eking out sympathy and actual emotion from people and their obviously natural understanding of if i got hit like this it would hurt like this and being able to translate that and convey that 
is great. Whereas I see a lot of people who maybe, not because they don't have legitimate backgrounds, but if they come into wrestling as wrestling is the only thing ever, it becomes very much more about matches they're telling or stories they're telling that are about, look how tough I am. Yeah. And that's the exact opposite of what wrestling should be. Because again, subconsciously, even if an audience is fully invested and believing in everything that you're telling, there's still that bit that knows that this isn't real. So you trying to pretend to show how tough you are is in a different context. Obviously, this would you might say, oh, were you talking about the babyface comeback? No, it's not that. That's about a guy who's willing to fight despite the pain and suffering you've put him through. Not that all the pain and suffering you put him through didn't mean anything. And those three crack that so well. And I think that's something that's really important to have. I feel like um, you get into a level of... Uh, <laughs> I think I, about I, wrestling a lot, Dave. You clearly do. More than me. And that's the, you know, this is basically most of my free time. So <laughs> that's, that's worrying. Let's talk about you, though. Um, so... Uh, mm-hmm. why uh, for anyone who doesn't know have you ever done like an interview sort of talking about why you're in wrestling or anything like that or? of course I use it as my lead hook to get into interviews and press because as much as you talk about theatre projects that you might be doing or film stuff as soon as you tell someone you're involved in professional wrestling their eyes light up They there's this joy inside them even if they've never seen it just the fact that this other world exists and they're seeing See, a glimpse this is it. really interesting but I think this might be because of your the uh, way be, I come off. Well, no, no, no. Sorry. Um, the the kind of work you look for. Uh, so, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Brian Carnes, very successful um, show that he's currently touring around the UK. Uh, One man show called An Indian Abroad that satirizes the gap year and white adventurous story by taking the story of a young Indian student from a middle class family who's tired of it and wants to really find himself in the world, and so takes a gap year to Britain. There you go. That's a synopsis. That is the the one-man theatre comedy show that I'm doing at the minute that is touring around to many places, has just finished up a two-night sold-out run in Bristol, is coming to Birmingham at the Old uh, Old Joint Stock Theatre in January the 18th and 19th, also to the Tara Arts Theatre in London on the 24th, 25th and 26th of January, as well as the Rondo Theatre in Bath on Wednesday the 6th of February. I'll as finally well as watch that show then. Yes, you day, will. Yeah. As well as Oxford, the Oxford Playhouse, Derby Theatre, and upstairs at the Western in Leicester. But I say that because I've had a very strange mixed relationship between me, wrestling, and theatre. So originally, the only reason I took A-level drama was because I thought it would help me get involved or improve my performance skills to get involved in professional wrestling. Really? Absolutely. I had no idea. I've never known somebody do anything involved in getting a degree or anything like that, or getting a... I mean, it's an Well, no, but you're talking to a completely uneducated man, really, at the minute. If you look at my CV, I've got very little to actually put on there. And yeah, very successful businessman. Uh, Yeah, so that's the reason I did it, and I don't think it's that uncommon, because I spoke to quite a few people, like Danny Jones and a few other people, and I think they did performance and stuff for degrees mm-hmm. but that's when they were already involved in professional wrestling yeah. but that was my impetus I then fell in love with theatre uh, kept pursuing it did a lot of stuff when I was at uni in London at the West End and still my biggest regret to this day so after I graduate from uni in London I moved back to Bristol and I start looking for 
training schools and things like that after seeing an attack show after seeing a chaos show that's actually because the first time i met you you were actually behind me at an attack show weren't you I think I was either behind or yeah, in front, and yeah. we got abs. It might have been the Christmas show, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that. we got smashed, and that was such a fun but night. That was the weird, you know, the funny thing about it is obviously I met you before I knew you. Mm. That's the weird thing. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off there, so carry on. Sorry. So, yeah, I got involved with that, and only maybe like a couple of months later, when I realized more about the British wrestling scene, and I knew more about it, and I found out what was going on, who were the big companies did I realise that the place where I was staying in London was a five-minute walk from the Progress Dojo. <laughs> and so for two years, I could have definitely gone there and sort of tried to make my name as a manager for that company as well. But that being said, I then came back to Bristol, had to start again from scratch for both theatre and everything else. Yeah. And I've had a really valuable time. So I trained at the Dragon Pro Academy, uh, went on shows for them through that got onto shows with you and that was such an interesting performance in terms of being in wrestling compared to theater because there's a lot of similarities and so many things that are different and then that has given me so much more confidence now as someone who can go out and do a one-man show for an hour yeah because i've been able to do that going out in front of a wrestling crowd of up to six seven hundred people on your own as a bad guy getting absolute abuse i mean there's nothing really that's more of a confidence builder and uh as something that gives you the ability to say this is scary but i am going to absolutely take over and dominate yeah and i guess the reason I, um when i was first started talking uh this, this conversation came up and you were you mentioned about how when you go for interviews or you mentioned the fact that you've got uh involvement in wrestling people's eyes light up and I tend to find I've got the opposite effect in my world because I've got a, a normal office job so if anything I'm normally very particular about the kind of individuals that I will tell that I'm involved in wrestling because unfortunately still got a bit of stigma so um, I, I actually told my boss this week after working with him for 15 months um, about the fact that, that I ran chaos and the fact that I've got this other job that I do because um it's normally met with, um, to be frank, I've had the piss taken out of me more than anything when I mention it because people always say, oh, isn't that fake? Isn't that just wearing lycra? Mm. Um, and it's not the fact that I'm ashamed of it. It's just that I get bored of, of the same questions being asked. Um, and it's it's at least encouraging to hear that in, in different walks of life, it's more it's embraced more. Because of, you know, I mentioned earlier, and it's been said before that I, I think it's an art form. Wrestling, I do, I do generally think it is, um, and I think especially for someone like you, and you're absolutely right in terms of what you're saying because I've seen your confidence grow. But I still remember the, I think the the because you started to help out on chaos shows, didn't you? Which is part of the almost the apprenticeship that we do with um, Dragon Pro. So I mean, just for that heat to build up, I I start training at Dragon Pro in January, get on a show in March. I start helping out Chaos in April, get on the show. No, I started helping out in Chaos, attending you, shows. I remember. Oh, I cut that? a promo, didn't I? Yeah, so this was, uh, I want to say it was, it, was Fiesta, Polly. it was Fiesta Del Rey Chaos. And I think it was a case where you were trying, you, you, I, was, I was doing what I normally do at shows, which is being very, very frantic. And you came up and you basically cut a promo. And I think because it was Polly versus Kaylee Ray. Yeah, that was it. And 
you can't one of you you know a, a promo and a thin air which i'm sure you've probably been working on but you just came up and basically said look i laid this on you and i remember we're quite particular in terms of once we plan something we plan something that, that night but you you gave us a fantastic promo and i was blown away by it and i remember being blown away by it but I thought no we, we can't just throw you in for for no reason tonight it makes no sense um again go back to story arcs we don't know what to do after that point but I think we all knew there was something with you. And that goes back to the thing with Bino and the thing with what we were saying with um, uh, Shayna Baszler in terms of you were able to offer us something different that we didn't have. And I think specifically in the UK, there aren't really that many good talkers in terms of non-wrestling roles. Um, Even wrestling roles. <laughs> true. I mean, to become the whole package is, is, is great, but we could recognize that you could enhance an act um, by using your verbal skills and most of which we had only really scratched the surface with and to be honest some of the stuff that you did just landed in our lap over the next couple of years um, like your rap videos that you did um, for us which again this is where I get frustrated sometimes because I think it's not even that I think we're underrated to very um it's a word that gets thrown around a lot and it's not to say that I think we are underrated as a company but I think some of the work that you guys have done deserves to have more eyes on it um and we're only a platform which is so big but the um for like a year you just needed to know what the match is and you'd be able to arrange these three minute spoken word poetry pieces which were phenomenal and i really think deserve to have more people look at them i think one of the um cause obviously i know that you you decided to take away a uh, step away from from wrestling for a while and i think one of the reasons for that is because you weren't getting work elsewhere which which is fine and 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 i understand that because i would feel very frustrated if i was you as well i think there's only so many spots available for uh managers in the uk and not many managers seem to travel from what i can tell in terms of the unless they're linked um specifically with an act somebody like a vicky haskins for example is always with mark haskins i mean i know that's because you know, they're married anyway, which means, you know, travel's obviously easy. But those but, are definitely but, the business logistics yeah, that go into yeah. being booked. It's also why it's harder for a tag team to get around. Yeah. It's why it's harder for a manager. It's why it's easier if you're a referee to get a gig if you drive a bunch of wrestlers to the show in your car. But that goes for anything. I think if you're a driver, naturally it becomes easier. Um, um, and it's one of my biggest frustrations, I think, with you when you left because... I felt like we'd done everything we could, but I don't feel I feel like that was enough for you because you deserve to get more opportunities than, than were given to you. Um, I just wanted to let you know that, really, because I know we've spoken about it before, but if, if we do end up putting this out as a podcast, I think it would be nice for people to at least know that because you you did some amazing work for us. and Still do. Oh, I know. <laughs> I think... Um, You've set up such a high bar that it would be shocking if you didn't at least reach that every single show. But the, I, I have to tell anyone who does listen to this the absolute petrification I go through. Petrification? Having... Is that an actual word? Uh, I don't know. I think it's from Harry Potter at least. Uh, okay, it sounds like a spell. Petrified. Yeah, okay. There's something in there. But again, I was really happy. I mean, there's two examples of it. One is you guys booking me in and pairing me with Rob. Mm. That was it. Yeah, and I was like, but I want stories. I I want to be able to tell an arc. I I want to be able to have like a narrative. And it's like, okay, right now, yeah, you manage him. Yeah, he's got a match with him. 
Yeah. And that completely made me have to reassess what wrestling is. And I bought into and learned so much more from that. Because, yes, you need to have a storyline and things. And I think the absolute best payoffs and the best matches benefit from having that build up and mm. to it. But you also have to learn how to sell yourself as an act. Yeah. And that's just in that one-off experience. You are with this guy facing this other guy in this moment for a completely fresh crowd. If they were to come in, they've got to be able to understand who I am what I'm offering and why I'm backing this guy mm -hmm. and making it so that it's believable and doing it so that it pays off this particular thing as a one-off and then building on it for the next in whichever way I can. And I think I really, st I struggled with it because I just didn't understand. It's like, but why aren't you giving me a storyline? Why aren't you giving me an arc? <laughs> I don't understand. I, th I think you have to remember at that point, I think you, your first show for us was All Night Swan. Yes, it was. Which was what our seventh show, I think, or eighth show, and w it chaos wasn't at that point what it has now become. I almost think that we we went through three building stages. The first building stage was let's just put on a show with person A versus person B and hope people show up, um, and that was like the first year of the business. At that point, we realised ah, people are starting to come back here. We did one or two return things, so like me and Bird had a bit of a feud, for example. Um, the Bird Leggero thing? The, yeah, well, I, the, the Bird Leggero thing kind of started phase two off. Um, where phase one, using the Marvel Universe theories, <laughs> uh, I guess started, uh, finished up when we had our, we crowned Bird as our champion. And we're like, okay, that's, Mike Bird is going to be our guy. And we kind of carried on then up until, I think the end of that phase two was probably when we went to our first Yate Leisure Center show which was like our step up to a much bigger platform for us. And then stage three has been refining that big show arc and giving people reasons to come back because everything we built for that first big show was all based on stories. So like me and Morgan Webster going into that show was probably one of the biggest, most intricate stories we'd done at that point. And that's where we really start to learn the value of the story. And And when we first started using you, we didn't really understand it. And we're still learning now about different aspects of what we do. Um, and, you know, the fact that we've been talking for 40 minutes now about how important we find stories tells you how much we think about it when we haven't really gone down to, like, the super detailed levels. And I don't think we... When we have chats about it, we don't really think about it to that level, but... I'm not sure. So I'm very confused because so I, I love wrestling. I absolutely love it. I obsess over it. And even if it's something I see that I don't either don't like or I just get frustrated at it's because I want it to be better and I want to talk about that so much and kind of like deconstruct things and analyze things and love wrestling in the same way you would if you're like a film critic or anything like that and as someone on the inside but I don't know if I see a lot of that in our locker rooms I see a lot more of people watching a match instant conversation mm. between the people yeah. who are watching it not always positive and no, but that's, there isn't that's not like, a bad thing. Yeah. Not not being positive isn't a bad thing. No, 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 no absolutely. No, no. Like you should be critical. Yeah, you should yeah, be yeah. watching everything, hoping it lands, does it land, yeah. seeing where it could be different. Oh no, we've had misses. We are more than aware we've had misses. We know when we haven't hit the mark. Mm. And <laughs> we get told, so it's fine. You know, we're not perfect. 
No, no, that's not what I mean. It's not in terms of what's being said about the content you're putting out. It's just what's being said. And like, I don't know if there's many people I've been able to just talk about wrestling in the way that I thought people liked wrestling the way I did, maybe. I think that still puzzles me, because I still don't know if I see that. Or maybe it's a confidence thing, where you need to know someone so well in a particular setting, and I guess not on show day. Yeah, never on a show day. Yeah. Never, never. This is the most detailed I think I've ever got on a show day. And I class that up to the point I fall asleep. But um, yeah. Um, it's an interesting one. I, I, I know, I, I obsess about it. I know I do. And I will think about why things can work or not work, or if we do things one way, what the domino or butterfly effect of that particular action could be longer term for that person or character or situation um, but that to me is normally drawn upon for me 30 years worth of watching it because I'm an old man <laughs> so um, I think you're still blown up from the match no I am I am very blown up from that match you know, two moves it was a it was a lot for me especially in my shape <laughs> um I don't know. I think some guys take it very simply in terms of, and 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 you you can make this art form as complicated or as easy as you want it to be. You can, um, so status quo only play three chords. They sold millions of air chords. Mm. Doesn't mean they're right or wrong. Doesn't mean it's not popular. Doesn't Spice mean girls without Mel C cannot sing. <laughs> <laughs> cannot sing. Incredibly successful. Yeah. yeah exactly. Um, but you can get other bands that might obsess about it to the nth degree. Someone like a Radiohead, for example, that will spend lots of time trying to reimagine, recreate um, everything to varying levels of success. But for me, more than anything, it's as long as I'm creatively fulfilled in terms of with everything that we've been able to do gets the reactions that I think or hope things should get that's kind of what turns me on with wrestling but I'm in a privileged position because I get to play with all these toys I get to um, with Nick and Rob um, actually get to control people's reactions not just on a on a one-off match level but as an overall level and a whole overall story arc um, I know there's only a certain number of people in the UK that are able to do that because um, you have to be an owner of a company or you need to be a booker of a company and there's only so many spots that are available to do that so maybe it's a case that I do obsess about it but I can't articulate in the same way that you can because you have a way with words that I do not I think that's something that I learnt a lot as well so in my second year at uni I performed and wrote in a show that was on at a West End theatre in London and I thought it was a great experience and everything and then as soon as that show finished they had to start building up the team for the next year and they wanted me to direct. I was like, I've never directed anything in my life. I was like, we know from what we saw that you can do this. And I think it's that realisation, because once you're faced with it, really, when you're originally faced with something, whether it's TV, film or wrestling, all you see is what's in front of you. You see the guys that are in the ring, and you automatically think, well, that's it. The only thing I could do in wrestling is be in the ring. Maybe a commentator, maybe a manager, maybe a ref. And therefore, the only joy I could get is from that. And then in my next year, when I directed and wrote it, so I wasn't the person who could go on stage 
and perform and say those words and get those reactions from the audience to me in the selfish way that every performer wants and would love. I got the chance to sit in the audience, watch this show that I had constructed with other people delivering those lines and feeling the reactions of an audience throughout a night and being able to like tailor it and have this inner feeling of like, I made them do that. I made them think that. I made them go on that emotional arc through that story is equally as intoxicating as mm. having to be in there. And I think that's why I, when I transitioned from being a performer to being back a house, um, I was okay with that. I, 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 I can relate to that because that's kind of the way I feel now. And, um, I mean, I did it once. You do it once a month. <laughs> I do, but it, it's um, it's very rare I get to appreciate it because I get so stressed out and so busy when I'm trying to set stuff up. Anyone has ever seen Dave? You've gotten better recently. You have gotten far better. You used to be an absolute nightmare. I know. I know I did. And, and again, I still have my moments, and I know I do. And I am desperately trying to self-manage. I really am. Um, it was the same thing with Jade today as MC. She was having like a nervous breakdown as well. And I was just watching and laughing as the supportive friend that I am. <laughs> well, that's always the thing with wrestling. We don't support each other. Never. No. If anything, if unless you're being ribbed, chances are you're not liked. That's the way it works, right? That's sometimes how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I, I'm aware at certain points that shows I wasn't uh, a nice person to deal with. Um, I think 29 days of the month, I'm generally quite affable and... and um, I know that, and I don't necessarily, um, it's, I think what happens at show days, it gets to a point that I call Dave o'clock, and that's where it's normally about half an hour before we're about to open the doors, and every 30 seconds someone has a question for Dave. Um, and to be fair to Nick and Rob, they started to alleviate some of that, um, and we've come up with different ways that we can stop people coming to me all the time and recognising that there's more than more than just me that, that run this show. But, and also I think I've learned that I can't control everything. It's become too big to do that. Um, people don't see backstage the amount of equipment and setup that we've now got. It's not top end, and I appreciate that, but effectively it is still the same three guys that ran a small uh, sort of small show in a community center in front of a couple of hundred people. And back then we just hired gear and other people ran it for us. Right now we've got production levels which aren't top end but are pretty good for the for what we do but we have to and that's all off your own back you're not getting support with it whereas other people do have we don't have any tech i mean we have sorry i tell a lie we have we have callum who joined the team um probably about two years ago who contacted us um and basically hustled like you did um to be fair to him he basically worked for we we bought the when we bought the lighting trust it was off a company and um the guy uh, callum saw that it was a wrestling company on the invoice and actually contacted us and said, I've seen you're a wrestling company. Have you got any spots for a light and sound technician? And I was like, I'm not really sure I want to let anybody else control that. I'm quite happy running the, well, happy is the wrong word, but I like running the music. I like running the lights. Yeah, it matters a lot to you if anything goes wrong. It's yeah. your thing. You want to make sure it's in safe hands. Exactly. Um, but it's one of the better decisions I made because Callum is great at his job. He makes my life so much easier in terms of that. I, I know I can leave the gorilla position and not worry because he's got it. That makes my life so much easier. Um, but if you think about every every year we tried to add add to it, we always trying to 
add something else which is going to make our lives a bit more complicated but we're not adding more human resources to help support that so we're kind of at a not a glass ceiling but potentially like a a, a point where i'm not really sure what else we can do to make say something like gate leisure center look better than it does um I think it looks a hell of a lot better than the first time we did a show there because we did not know how to run lighting at all that first time. We tr- I think I got busted open by Jigsaw as well. <laughs> um, I think the first time we tried to run that, I think I remember um, my brother, who was an electrician, had some scaffold tower and we were, and I just... The huge tower. Yeah, we, oh, that was so, awful. So we just put, yeah, so we just put like a tower at the back of the hall. I was thinking, yeah, we'll just run some LEDs off the back and it'll be powerful enough to strip down. It'll be fine. It it was, it was like trying to shine a torch into the night sky. It was like nothing was happening. So our first show, when you look back on it in late Legend Center, looks awful. And I know from a Legend Center perspective, some people have a feeling about, oh, wrestling in the Legend Center isn't for me because people don't... And... and it's your face changer. Um, there's there's people out there that don't feel that if I'm trying to think of the best way to say it. Um, How would they say? Um, wrestling in leisure centres in some quarters has a sort of stigma attached to it in terms of it's a generic family show or it's not. I don't think people unless you've been to one of our shows, you there's an assumption that if it's in a leisure centre, it's a ring in a hall with poor sound and no lighting and um the resting itself might be fine but some people this like is from years of previous history in yeah, british wrestling yeah, yeah. which is which is fine which is cool and to be fair to uh nick actually one of the first things he said when we started with chaos is every show needs to have proper lighting and you do that to help immerse the audience into that experience some people and and, and we do take that incredibly importantly but some fans that i see especially online will always say it's 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 uh in quotations leisure center wrestling well fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> might have to cut that bit out that's fine uh no no i but it goes back to the ice cream thing that well no partic- that no. goes for that goes for making hypothetical assumptions and what i think banoffee ice cream tastes like <laughs> <laughs> that is quite the astute observation, and 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 you're right because the product you you can you can paint a wonderful picture on a sidewalk or on a canvas or on a beach front that's going to get washed away. It can still be beautiful. Yeah, and as long as you make those people in a leisure center forget that they're in a leisure center and yep. they're not in a place where two rooms away there's a swimming pool and a bowling alley and a bunch of other stuff going on as long as you've got sound enough that makes them stay in there as long as you've got lights that highlight that these guys coming out are legit are professional are entertaining and are worth your time you can do that in any space that's why fringe theater and so many other theaters have become so much more popular Mm -hmm. because you don't need this archaic idea of an old traditional theater to be able to do good work or professional work or the only work that will be accepted by a certain type of people or a certain type of fan. Uh, but yeah, I, I, It used to wind me up. I don't get too worried about it now because going back to what I said earlier, there, there's from a control perspective, there's only so many things in terms of wrestling and our show and the perception of it that I can control. If somebody's made their mind up that they never want to see a show in a leisure centre, so be it. I can't change your mind. I can send you all our footage. I can 
show you that the only reason you know it's a leisure centre is because it states where the venue is. As far as I'm concerned, with the way that we run Chaos now, it doesn't matter where you run it. All our shows look and feel generally the same. It's just on a bigger canvas, depending on where you are. And as long as we've got a roof and power, we can run that show anywhere. Is this a thing really only for fans, though? Or is this a way that people in the industry also perceive so-called leisure centre wrestling? Difficult one, because I don't know. Um, I don't know how other people in the industry perceive it. I know that it's not a big deal for us. It's... Ledge Centre for us is a is a big space which is cost effective. To be perfectly honest, that's the long and short of it. Um, specifically, late Yate Leisure Centre is a very special place to me because it's where I had my first match. It's where I had my last match. It's somewhere that I actually watched my first wrestling show uh, when I was growing up. I watched a quotations you know, Leisure Centre show. I saw Giant Haystacks there before he died. Um, so. To me, it's not, but then that was me looking through whatever the perception of that venue was. Is that tied in with community centre, though? Yeah, it can be. It's together. Yeah, yeah no, it can be, and I, I, I get it, it's fine. I mean, I can see that. I mean, I guess maybe because I don't really know that history of British wrestling in the same sense, but put up any of those shows in Hannam, mm. where you hear the reaction in that building put up any show that we've done in Yate and so I think some of the shows that we've done in Bradley Stoke Leisure Centre as well oh like the reaction the reaction moments. the reaction when Eddie made Alex say I quit was oh I got chills um, and this is almost like all connected because it all comes back to what I said at the very start of this conversation and not this one but the start of this one was the, when we started recording which is of confidence in our fans doesn't matter where the show is doesn't matter what we do with that show um, it could be outside in a circus tent it could be anywhere I know that if we put on something our audience want to watch they will commit and allow us to perform in front of them and they will reciprocate um, in kind in terms of the those kind of reactions that we get where the show is doesn't really matter they're the ones that make it not us I think that probably feels like a good place to stop. As you seem to be nodding at me going, yes, Dave, this is good podcasting. Finish. So, um, thanks for joining us. Harry. Dr. Pariah Khan. Okay, I'm sorry, Dr. Pariah Khan. Thank you.